welcome to Slacker Moto Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles and the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Welcome back, Slackers. Brad, how are you? I am doing great. Uh, cannot complain uh, for the most part. Weird stuff going on at the house between uh, laundry appliances and no electricity and other things. But uh, uh, it just means that I'm not spending time on the products I really want to and spending money on things that I don't really care about. But that's okay. I'm doing okay. How are you doing, Addison? Oh, I'm doing well, man. We've had a lot of uh, kind of a strain of good weather. It's been nice to get out. I've been riding a couple times. Had to go to the dentist, so I took advantage of that and took the bike. Otherwise, I uh, got some time painting and finishing and polishing and getting some parts ready. So it's been a yeah, good mix of the last, I guess, what week? Last five yeah, days. It has been really nice out. Uh, I had to go uptown yesterday and noticed there were several bikes out, and it was very nice. So hopefully everybody that had a bike or had the means to get on their bike we're out and enjoying it over here in the Pacific Northwest. I agree. I hope uh, hope you've all had a chance to do something bike related, right? And if your bike's down for the winter, hopefully you're doing some service or taking advantage of the good weather to get the door the door open or do some work outside if you need to, or whatever it is uh, on that bike, getting it ready for next season. But uh, I think uh, we might as well get right into it. But I think next season is going to be a heck of a season, man. I think one weather wise. I think weather-wise, we're going to have good weather. I think we're going to be pretty well off with when it comes to uh, to good days. Uh, obviously, we've kind of migrated towards that. The air quality is good in most places due to kind of everything that happened in 2020. I think uh, we also have a lot more people riding, uh, whether it be those that already rode and they're just getting out a little bit more often. But I think the end of winter blues or the winter blues where everybody's kind of hanging out and needing that moto therapy. It's really going to cause a lot of people in the spring and summer to get on two wheels and ride. So I think uh, I think we're looking at a really good season next year, both for riders and the quality of the ride in general. Yeah, I really hope so. I mean, uh, this sounds like a 2021 prediction. I, I don't know where you're getting or basing your information off of, but uh, I really hope that that's the, the case. I mean... Um, a lot of things are looking up maybe on a, a new cruiser coming up here pretty soon. So at least being able to take advantage Whoa. of some of these nice days. You're, you're putting that out in, in space, man. You're, you're making that public now. I am. I just need to go pick it up. It's, uh, it's not a scout, although that would have been fun and may not be the ideal ride for me. But uh, an opportunity arose to pick up a... Uh, a V-Star 1300 from my dad and uh, for a good deal. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do it. He wants it out of his garage so he can park his new car in it. So um, I'm going to go jump on that. Didn't get ridden at all last year, so he wants to, to get it gone. So, uh, I'm gonna Sounds like an it. awesome opportunity. Yeah, it is. It is. It'll be nice to have something relatively new and awesomely maintained. He did like spark plugs every 5,000 miles and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, I mean, he's kept up on it, kept it really nice. He used it for commuting, uh, you know, 260 miles a week from uh, 
central Oregon to eastern Oregon. So um, it's it's got a few miles on it. I think he's nearing 60,000 miles for 2012, but uh, it's still okay. really good shape. Yeah. Nice, man. That'll be awesome. Uh, it'll be good to have, uh, you know, have both of us actually writing, you know, since this is a motorcycle podcast. Yeah, that is, uh, you know, I figured it was a prerequisite and I tried this for a while to see if I'd get booted, but it didn't work. Uh, apparently you think you need somebody else on here with you. So here I am. Yeah. People always tell me that you don't have a lot of good things to say, but you've got a good voice for it. So, and people tell me as well that I've got a good face for radio. So yeah, I think we're good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were talking about yourself both times, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but I will say, I also, you know, you and I were throwing around a few statistics and things that, that pulled up. I was doing some, some work related items and, and ran into a number of sites that were kind of blew my mind last week. Um, and we've had a lot of conversations about this and we spent some time and decided that if we keep going, we're going to lose the fun of, of talking about it on the podcast. So I know I had I've curbed it. You really got excited. I'm still excited, which is why I'm glad we curbed it. Cause I, I think this whole thing is just ridiculous. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and lead with the most vague cliffhanger right before we get into it. But I think it's ridiculous and stupid that nobody's talking about this. I know people are. And if you are, you're the best. Um, but oh my gosh, you're acting like I, this I'm is just a, it's breaking news. I mean, it's not. Okay, okay. And that's what I'm saying. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about it. And it's not breaking well, news. This is no, like, you haven't even talked about it. What are you talking about? All right. So pulling up some information, looking at different things and end up running into a number of statistics on the annual vehicle miles traveled by vehicle category. Uh, this went down a rabbit hole. This was not just this, and we'll get into the other statistics that came up within this search so that I could understand better what was actually happening. But basically looking at how many miles are being traveled by vehicle, uh, showing that really motorcycles, people don't ride them, right? Is that a shocker? No. I mean, people ride them, but, uh, you know, the, the total number of miles accumulated is probably not the highest. It's not. Uh, miles accumulated and all of that... Uh, really, you know, you've got a couple of tours that are pulling on, putting on a lot of miles, but people don't really ride all that often. And this is, of course, U.S.-based data. Let me clarify that this is the Transportation Energy Data Book from the U.S. So this is coming from U.S. Energy Information. It's not worldwide. I know outside of the U.S., you guys are a lot better about riding uh, more often than we are here. So uh, fully under, you know, want to clarify that this is mainly a dig on our own country and, and our riders here, not an, an attempt to... Well, I mean, realistically, worldwide, there's a lot more people that, I mean, this is this is their, right? This is your means of transportation. This is your lifeblood. You don't have another vehicle. And that's much more common outside of the U.S. I know, but you just uh, killed the entire, like, local, you know, listener base. No, 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 no. Don't Great. leave us now. Because oh. this whole conversation is going into why I, what I was talking about earlier, right? That I think this is going to be a good year for writing. I think we're going to see a switch. Um, but the next thing that really popped out to me was average per passenger fuel economy. And now what I want to reiterate is this is per passenger, right? We're talking average fuel economy on the road per person in the vehicle. And the number three item above any other um, wheeled vehicle, or at least on highway wheeled vehicle, was the number three of all these classes was motorcycles, only following inner city rail and transit rail. So, you know, your max trains and your your inner city trains are doing a better job, 
of fuel economy. But quite frankly, motorcycles were just a shade behind transit rail. So really your motorcycle per passenger fuel economy and emission standards and everything that we're all stressed about as a people in the world, right? Taking care of our environment and the air quality and all of this, motorcycles are the best way to travel. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. And and I, I'm not surprised by the miles per gallon um, ratio per passenger that you stated so far. And I would even go as far as to say that for the year 2020, that that ranking would actually, those ranks could change significantly as people were avoiding uh, mass transit or not traveling altogether. Uh, so it would be interesting to get more up-to-date um, information just from last year. But, uh, I mean, what is that? I mean, you're not saying, though, anything that I'm surprised by. I mean, we know that motorcycles get phenomenal fuel economy in comparison to other vehicles. They're only transporting one person, relatively light, um, and for these commutes. So, so. How do you propose that this information get used? I So, you know, we get into it, and I agree with you that, that there's been some mass transit concerns and people not riding as often, um, you know, within within really all communities based on COVID and, and different things that have happened last year. But I, I don't understand why we don't push motorcycle riding. I push is the wrong word because we're not forcing it on anyone because there are some inherent dangers. And we've had these conversations. Look back at our episodes or really any any motorcycle podcast episode is going to talk about these. But why why are we so weary as a country to implement a motorcycle-friendly laws or new motorcycle-friendly laws? Obviously, we can ride and we can have bikes, and many states don't have EPA and, and all these things because they already know it's inherently really good for the environment, so why make people pay to check that? Um, but one word. We are, we are the minority. Okay. We are the minority. So if you're a lawmaker and you're going to um, have some sort of propaganda on what you're going to be doing over the next you know, two to four years of your term, depending on the position that you're taking in office, what are going to be your biggest focuses? They're going to be health and safety just in general, right? And then anything new policy-wise that isn't maybe necessary, but advantageous in some way for the economy and the environment and or um, the people in that state or country, if you will, is going to be based on the majority of the people. So I know that in a lot of ways, we're all about minorities and a lot of that is really good. I'm not saying anything negative about that. But one of the things is for a motorcycle, you don't have that many people really advocating for or protesting or getting involved in a way to ensure that we can do lane splitting and other things that uh, you may be um, trying to transition us into right now. So I think that a big portion of that is because we are a minority as motorcyclists. And the second point to that would be that uh, the safety, the perceived safety aspect, as of you know, going back to what you just stated regarding um, safety concerns in general on a motorcycle, but that is the other big one. And with people wrapping their head around what can or can't or shouldn't be done, this is a big gap. Like if this goes wrong, right? This is what's going through a lawmaker's mind. If this goes wrong, 
it's devastating and people could die, right? We are already at and okay, kind of um, being, we're kind of okay with what our safety risks, risks are right now for motorcyclists. We don't want that to become more drastic or severe or put other people in danger. Those would be my two points. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but, uh, you know, we get into it and at least in the U.S., right, it's a pretty divided <laughs> political market. Let's say that. Uh, I'm trying not to be too controversial here, cause cause any guff, but, but no matter which side you lie on, we all know it's pretty divided, um, but pretty evenly divided if you talk about a lot of the non-politician related politics, right? Uh, it's pretty pretty evenly divided from side to side. So, you know, from there, there's a lot of conversation with, you know, the right to do what you want, right? To, to have those things that you want, as long as it's not an illegal substance or things like that. There's pretty much half a group that, that's all about you having that right to purchase, use, enjoy that item. Uh, and that's one thing I, you know, you come into motorcycles and, and the really, the at least the life risk in what you're saying, right, is, isn't necessarily anybody but yourself. Um, unless you've got a rider on the back, right? But it's the person on that vehicle that's really at a high risk. And even a, a property damage risk is much lower than than the amount of property damage you can do with a vehicle, a truck, right? Anything like that, a bus. Um, so it, it's just interesting to me. And especially as I look at this, I just, the reason I got so passionate, the reason I'm still really passionate about this is we are primed for this discussion, Right. We just spent a year where no one can get on a bus, where getting on public transit is scary, concerning, really just something that you don't want to do outside of the uncomfortability and, and annoyance that is public transit to a lot of people. Uh, there's a lot of people that enjoy it and that use it and it's their daily commute. But in a world now where you can't be near people and you shouldn't be right anywhere where people are coughing all over you and all of that, this is the time to have that conversation. Right. You can just as economically you can just as good for the environment and burning of fossil fuels jump on a motorcycle. All 50 people from the bus can jump on a motorcycle. And according to the data set we're looking at here, um, you know, from the U.S. Department of Energy, you are technically still doing better for the environment and fuel consumption than the bus is doing if everyone rides their own motorcycle. And so, I, you know, it just feels like we're primed for this conversation and it's somewhere we need to go. It is the answer to reducing congestion on the roads, reducing fuel consumption, reducing environmental effects of vehicles without going electric, because we still haven't got there. Electric vehicles don't have the range. They don't have, you know, they're, they're expensive to produce. They're expensive to recycle and dispose of, difficult to recycle and dispose of, much more so than a very small fuel combustion engine. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying, and I, I, I get it. I just, I'm trying to wrap my head around, and I think this is the main issue that we've had, and why this hasn't become bigger issue, because or bigger um, uh, move as a society is that just what are we, what are we really going to be gaining by pushing this? I mean, yeah, we could say that you should ride a motorcycle and that it's more um, environmentally friendly. We can say that. We can say that. Oh, oh, but what are who who is the, who are we impacting? We're impacting such a small amount or number of people. And really, I'd rather just personally um, kind of keep motorcycles out of politics in general. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's really advantageous for us to try to have um, some sort of a 
political win or create new laws and then have heightened awareness of motorcyclists in general. And I think there would be a lot of conversations that come up that would actually fire up um, a lot of the motorcycle enthusiasts that are around, including people with loud uh, exhaust pipes and systems and, and people who ride too fast and the hooligans out on the road that are, you know, doing wheelies. And I mean, those are the kind of things that get brought up in this tidal wave of trying to promote something new, especially um, in when you get into a legal uh, and or law um, generation um, type of a debate or discussion. So I think that we need to be very careful and that I, as I stated at the beginning of this, that I think it should, we should stay out of it, but that's my opinion. I mean, Depending on your opinion, I, I, my wager would be your opinion is that in general with most of these situations that, you know, le- less is more with government control. And that's, that's right. That's the opinion of a lot of people. And that's fine. And that's, that's, I agree that that's okay. But at the same point, when it comes to being able to do certain things, you have to get involved with what's allowed, what's legal, what's, uh, you know, the, these conversations are conversations you have to have. And I realize, right, you're not going to see a lot of cars wheeling down the road, but you do see a lot of cars going too fast and being dangerous and doing the same thing, right? Just because you have a motorcycle doesn't mean the same individual that would do that on a motorcycle wouldn't be doing that in a Honda, a Corvette, you know, a, I mean, a Prius, right? You can still do that in any vehicle. You can still be erratic. You can still be uh, dangerous, and, and cause those issues, you're just, right, with a vehicle, more likely to injure yourself uh, as well as many other people uh, and do more property damage in the in the process. You know, obviously the, the rate of yourself is bigger as you look at, uh, you know, motorcycle riders, but it's difficult to, uh, you know, to quantify that in the car perspective. Right. And I understand that I'm raining on your parade a little bit here, but but I think that one, the, the only avenue that you can go down right now politically and get a win in relatively easily is if there is a safety focus. I don't think environmental is enough. I think that, yes, we're moving towards that and we're in a new era as far as uh, President of the United States and potentially the types of uh, administration and objectives that they're going to have. But... The big one is going to be safety. And so if you're going to look at this kind of information, we're going to say that more people should be riding on a motorcycle and we need to, and we're also trying to push for additional laws or um, removal of some laws in some cases that allow a motorcycle to ride in a certain way on the street as well, then it has to be um, objectively backed by data that shows that it's going to be more safe for the motorcyclist as well as for the rest of the population out on the roads, which would also benefit our um, premiums for insurance. Yeah, that's fair. And I think, you know, just volume really would help with premiums on insurance. And they're already low because, like I mentioned, property property damage and, and cost of vehicle and all of that is significantly lower on a bike. Um, but But nonetheless, yeah, I agree with you there that, that that's the case, and I, I think there are right some statistics that point some ways and other ways, and and the debate is had about how safe certain situations are, uh, whether that be you know lane splitting or filtering or these different things. So you know that that's a conversation to be had, but I think outside of this, right, 
that's my initial push. Let's, let's be more active. Let's take some of this information and make a difference. And we can enjoy what we, right? We can love what we love and enjoy what we enjoy doing, motorcycles and this community. And then we can take that and actually bring it into a more populated group of people. I think from where we're sitting and from the average person standpoint, uh, really the push here is to help support uh, others to to learn, right? I, I think that this is a positive spin on what there are still people that, that think negatively of the community to help support that need or that ability to go get your endorsement, to try it out, to, to you know, get your endorsement so you can go ride a test bike, uh, a demo bike at a test day, right? You can go check it out. If your buddy's got one, you can jump on it and, and give it a shot. You know, I think that there's something to be said about this information that can really maybe bring a new group into the fold, right? I think that there's, it's less so where we're at, but um, I think that there's a certain stigma against motorcycles. And I think sometimes it's the environmental group that doesn't see the, the kind of the benefits that the European groups see on the environment that motorcycles bring. Right. And I mean, no, nobody is debating that as far as overall environmental. I think that that's something that we have known. We're not talking about something new right now. What we're talking about is that there is some actual evidence of it that is being um, given out from the United States Department of uh, Transportation. So what what we're looking at, though, is as a consumer, how do I look at that data? If I'm already doing mass transit to some extent, okay, I see that, oh, it's more environmentally friendly and for me to ride in a bus or some sort of a um, other mass transit vehicle. Okay, okay, well, that, that's fine. I don't really care. I care about the cost. Um, so what's, what's the cost of me riding on the bus? Okay. I don't have to worry about maintenance whatsoever at all, but that is built into whatever my ticket costs me. And I look at my overall cost for the year. That's more, that's where my mindset's going to go. Okay. So now, so that doesn't really help us as far as that is concerned. It's, they're already going to, if they've decided that they're going to take mass transit under normal circumstances, they're going to. So let's look at the automotive person. We look at the guy that's driving a car. So the guy that's been driving a car to work, maybe carpooling, maybe not. Okay, this is something that is maybe advantageous to them. But this is where you also get into an issue where we need education and or people need to have an awareness around uh, motorcycle maintenance and other things. And we have talked about this in the past, but it can be um, economical to ride a motorcycle for commuting another uh, standard transit aside from maybe going to the grocery store, unless you have a PCA hundred or something like that. So uh, that could be advantageous, but I think that what's going to push those people away is going to be the thought of, I have to maintain this. I have to, I have to have a spot for this. Maybe it's easier to store it. Maybe it's not. I have to have a car still. I got to have both now, right? Those kind of discussions are going to take place. Um, so I, I think that it's really on to education. I don't think that a consumer, and I'm not trying to talk down the, the data that we found. I know that I love data. You love data. We're engineers. We love data. But as a consumer, that plot isn't going to do them any good. I think that's fair. I don't think that that is the game changer because, I mean, to your point, this isn't new information. I think I was just surprised to see it so readily available and so clear. 
of, of how high on the list the motorcycle sits. I, you know, I expected it to be better than cars, trucks, uh, you know, these, these things that we know are not the most economic of, of, uh, you know, of vehicles on the road. I think I was just surprised to see it above so many other devices, right? We're talking things that, that people basically tied with, with inner city trans, uh, rail. I mean, that, not inner city, but within the city rail. And that, that's shocking to me that, that really we're getting as good of fuel economy per passenger. We're getting just as good fuel or as low fuel consumption per passenger on a motorcycle as we are with a train full of 500 people. Right. That's insane to me. And that's, I think what, what just really blew my mind is how, how much better it was than even I thought. We all know that motorcycles are a good economic choice when it comes to fuel consumption and emissions. We all know that. But how good it was, I think, was a really big surprise to me. Um, and to that, I agree. I think we need to work to educate, bring people into the, into the fold, right? Help support people. Uh, you know, that's something that I'm pushing towards here on our end is, uh, and if you don't know about um, the Remotorcycle Garage in California, they do a really good job of, of uh, letting people come in and work on their bikes and not just, you know, the education of go get your endorsement and a ride, good luck to you, but helping support people in their motorcycle world, right? In that, in that pathway and that, that development within motorcycles. That's something we're really looking to do as well from where we're sitting uh, is to support people in their ride more than just, you know, go get your endorsement, go, right? Good luck. You're on your own. Um, but be part of the community. I think that's always been a big push. That's, I mean, it's right there in our intro, right? We're really interested in supporting the motorcycle community. And I think this is a really good opportunity to share this information, to educate, to help people understand that, yeah, you, okay, I guess you do need a parking spot, right? You can't just have your bike sitting in the middle of the road or it's not going to be there when you come out because it's going to be run over by a semi truck. But you can park it much easier, right? A lot of people will park it on their patio, will bring it in, you know, in their gate. If they live in a residential area, you know, more of a suburban residential area, they'll bring it into their, you know, into their back patio. They'll bring it into their, into their house. I know people's, some people's wives are more forgiving than mine and you can park it right in the living room. Um, you know, I've seen this before, but it, it is much easier to maintain. It's much easier to work on, uh, much easier to, we've, we've got a whole episode on the economics of owning a motorcycle that if you're getting a commuter bike, it is less expensive to own, maintain and work on, especially if you're doing your own work. Um, and so that's really, I agree. The education is more than just what's out there and how much better is it for the environment. But I think that education goes into supporting one another when you've got a new rider that's thinking about getting a, you know, a thousand dollar bike, they're going to need tires. They're going to need to do brake work. They're going to need that because you don't find a thousand dollar bike that doesn't need love. Um, are we willing to support and help and educate? Right. And I think that uh, you'd made a comment about this on uh, motorcycles and alternative energy. I think that the one thing that that plot shows me that's interesting, and it's not motorcycle related uh, initially, but it does affect it, is the need for alternative energy and how horrible in some instances mass transit and uh, transportation of goods, um, how, how horrible those are at uh, having good uh, fuel economy. And if we want to call it good on the environment, that's fine. But uh, it's not, we're not that far behind on a motorcycle. And you think about that and you're like, wait, how does a vehicle carrying 50 people do worse. And a lot of that's just on total runtime, having to be, you know, just moving, stop and go, stop and go, stop and go, right? 
which doesn't help anything in those instances. So I think that the big thing, and the reason partially why you were maybe looking at this data in the first place, is alternative energy in general, whether it be hydrogen fuel cells or lithium ion or uh, let's nuclear uh, fission. I don't know what it's going to be, but there's other ones that are going to come up. And I think that how it's going to affect the motorcycles in general is that once that becomes more prevalent, and we already see that it is in uh, automotive world, maybe not huge, it's still a minority, but it's growing. But as that grows, motorcycle is going to drop further and further and further down the list. And the argument for the environment is going to be a mute point. I think that's fair. I think that that's a, a very valid point that, that as we do that, right. I mean, in, in fairness, you know, electric cars breed electric motorcycles. You know, a fuel cell isn't too much different. It's, it's just a different way of storage and, and consumption of that electricity. Um, you know, it's it. It's a different process, but, you know, you look at a lot of this and you'll probably see these technologies. I mean, not probably, you will see these technologies merge into motorcycles. So you'll see the same gains from a fuel consumption and a fuel economy and an emissions standpoint. Um, but I agree that that's really what came into play. And I, I want to clarify, kind of just looking at it, we've talked about that the data is from 2020, but I want to clarify that, that this was printed and updated um the most recent information here was May of 2020. So this this information goes back further, you know, than and only encompasses a very small amount of the effect of COVID. So I realized that obviously I think the swing, if we looked at it today, would be incredibly higher, right? You'd see buses down in the dumps because you're just not riding them. And unless you absolutely have to anymore, people are not choosing to ride the bus like they were in the past because of the risks. Um, especially in big cities, right? And that's where buses are more prevalent, especially in the U.S. anyway. So I think that that fully relates. And people are still having to transit and people are still having to go places and there's nowhere for them to have a vehicle. And so they're still doing it. So I, I say, you know, we're saying that it's down in the dump. I just think that there's going to be a substantial decrease as a result of uh, more people, not all people, but more people working from home. I think that's fair. And I think that that will also decrease all of the numbers in general. But again, this is, you know, per passenger economy. So we're, when we break it into this type of a scale, the economy doesn't change, right? You may, your, your sample size may get smaller because you don't have as many people driving and as many miles to compare to, but the same vehicle rates. In fact, you might even see uh, the motorcycle data get a little cleaner because I think a lot more people have been riding since there's less cars on the road and it's been good weather through 2020. Um, <laughs> and then going through a lot of this other stuff. Um, but yeah, if you go through it, I was just surprised that, you know, transit bus is the second worst on the list. And that, that was one of the things I just couldn't believe compared to, you know, light truck or cars or airlines uh, that, you know, that transit bus was was just so low. And, and that's really such a maybe historically, right? Things are changing. You're right. The, the, the needle is moving. But historically, I look at buses as, as your form of public transportation that's supposed to be good for the environment and support all this stuff. And, you know, you're better off having a car in today's world. Yeah. I mean, those are all, those are all good points. I, I'm just curious to see how this kind of all just unfolds. I, I think it was very interesting data that was relevant and new. Um, I, I just, I have a hard time trying to figure out how you could apply this basic data in uh, in the real world that would be advantageous or beneficial, but it's still intriguing nonetheless. It's not uh, not the magic bullet, but but it definitely, for me at least, is a 
is a tool in the toolbox, right? A new piece of information, a new learning that, that, that puts data, right? Actual data and actual numbers to an idea I've had. And I think that was what I really liked about it is now, right? This thought I've always had and now has a reality to it. Right. It's affirmation of the subjective thoughts that we have discussed on a regular basis as motorcyclists. In general. So, yeah, wanted to share that out. But to your point, there are a lot of new things coming out. And I wanted to share a couple of them um, on Instagram, on our Instagram and on our Facebook pages. We've been throwing out a couple of uh, a couple of new electric bikes that have come into the market and uh, really asked around. One of them is uh, is a pretty cool electric bike coming from a, a bicycle manufacturer. But I guess before we dive into the specifics of these bikes, I uh, wanted to bring up that that a lot of the point of here on Facebook and Instagram is we were running some uh, quizzes in the right word, some polls. That's the right word we're looking for uh, to understand who would want to own these bikes, who would want to dive into it, uh, where everybody's at with their desire to have these new electric bikes in the market. And got a little bit of feedback on these. And I thought it was pretty interesting um, that really we were looking at these items and ended up with, I guess the first one that came up was uh, was an interesting bike. Uh, unveiled by the, uh, the, I guess the e-pedal bike manufacturer. Clarify that before we get too far. Uh, it was the, uh, the Saunders Metacycle. So if you haven't seen it, look it up. Uh, you can check it out on our Instagram and Facebook, but, uh, added a poll on that. And there was a lot of concern on the ability of a, an e-bike manufacturer for pedal bikes to jump into an 80 mile range with 80 mile per hour top speed, uh, motorcycle. That was really the, the biggest feedback we got. A lot of no's on, on the initial group that that was polled at least ra- randomly, right? Our polls sit for 24 hours, so if you missed it, you didn't get in on the vote. But um, it was interesting to see the the amount of apprehension and the desire to uh, to vet that. I think there's going to be a lot of testing required for people to trust that bike. Yeah, I think that one of the things that's interesting about this, and I guess I haven't been watching um, uh, and noticing how all motorcycles or OEMs have been implementing um, their electric drive system. But this actually is following the trend for pedal bikes that have pedal assist or other things where the uh, motor, the electric motor is integral to the rear hub. So, and that's different or differing in comparison to some of the other motorcycle manufacturers that are currently out there. So it definitely has that feel as you look at it of a pedal bike, but has this monocoque aluminum looking chassis uh, that uh, I I will say it doesn't look bad. It doesn't really look uh, comfortable, if I will. That pad on that seat (laughs) looks relatively thin, and I have a feeling that that may change, but it also comes in at a price point, if I remember correctly, that was uh, intriguing. What was it? Five thousand dollars for that? Five grand is at least what they're saying at the at this point, right? I don't think it's fully in in production, but that's the goal. That's the plan. It sounds like five grand. Yeah, and I mean, as far as a commuter is concerned, for around town, if it rips pretty hard to get up to you know fifty miles an hour or so, I think something like this could be a lot of fun. Uh, but this definitely isn't the bike uh, that you're taking on your uh, long road trips. But at this price point, it makes even more sense potentially if we ignore, you know, you know, vetting the company and how well they actually um, uh, implement this. It, it, it points towards something more uh, economical for those around town commutes to work, uh, you know, bar hopping, whatever it may be. 
um, and riding something that people are going to talk about. I mean, people love looking at motorcycles and notice when somebody does something different. This looks different, right? And it doesn't look horrible. That's that's my opinion, at least. I mean, what, what did you think of it? I thought the looks were, were original. Uh, I thought it actually looked pretty cool. I had no issues with the looks. It definitely looks at size, right? It looks like a small bike. Uh, quite frankly, an 80-mile range at an 80-mile-per-hour top speed kind of blew my mind based on looking at it because I think it looks about – you know, it looks 50-50 bike. The front forks don't look big on it. Uh, you know, it's got a regular-ish swing arm, but it looked a little small. Now, you know, all that weight's going to be unsprung on the swing arm there, so I'm not sure, right, how that's going to affect it. I think there's a lot of things that need to be vetted, as I've said, but ignoring that, the style itself is a cool style, very original. Right. I mean, you just look at the swing arm on it, and it doesn't look like it's actually going to compress much before it starts hitting the, the frame. Uh, but but that's just another point. Uh, people, you, you have to look at this on uh, just just search Saunders S O N D O R S and uh, and it should pull up. Uh, yeah yeah, give it a look and see what you think. Um, there's a lot of uh, interesting electric motorcycles out there, but this one's definitely unique, as you put it, uh, Addison. It's unique that it has almost a usable range, uh, at least from my terms. Right, that's a very uh, subjective statement. Um, but but also at a you know at a price point that isn't breaking the bank yeah to your point that's not much more and in many cases less than an, in an electric pedal bike electric pedal assist bike so i'd i'd prefer this quite frankly but you know me right i, I turned 16 years ago i have no reason to pedal anymore yeah i think the only thing is like uh, i think it looks kind of cool that uh, the entire what you would consider the gas tank area is just a uh, through hole in essence in this frame uh, the problem with that that I have uh, is where's the functionality? Motorcycles are all about, you know, having features that are functional, that make sense. And so trying to understand kind of what that does, how that plays into things, is it just for aesthetics or is there going to be the intent to have uh, additional battery storage there or maybe a little luggage hole for something relatively small for like a gallon of milk. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I what, what is it going to be? I mean, it, it looks cool, but that, is that all it is? And, and if it is, that's, maybe that's okay, but it looks to be some, there's something more to it. I expect something more from that. I, I agree. And I, and I need to clarify, I did come out strong with the, uh, with the heavy voter, no, but it was actually 50, 50 vote on that one. We got 50, 50% said they would want it. 50 said no. So going back to on my own statement here that, uh, that it actually came towards the end, the, the late, the late voters, now that I'm looking at the statistics, uh, came back to actually bring that in. So I think the style won people over, quite frankly. I think that's a lot of it is it looks cool. If you showed up on it, people would, you know, you, it, I guess you wouldn't show up at the gas station, but you show up at the diner or the local pub or the, the coffee house and and I think people would want to come and see it and know what you're writing. So I think that that won people over. Yeah, I think that to that uh, that aspect of it could be very cool. Also, the handlebars look pretty bicyclish for whatever reason to me, but that's uh, maybe, maybe there's something else going on there. But 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 regardless, uh, it is interesting. I, I'm intrigued by how many new uh, people are at the you know coming into the market. Different uh, OEMs that maybe are unexpected. I mean, this isn't the first. A bicycle-ish motorcycle that's come out. We talked about the cake motorcycle uh, like a year ago or more. So, uh, or maybe it was two years. I don't even know now. So, um, that's that's all. Yeah, it was two years. So, anyway, there's. Um, it's interesting to see who's going to come up to the plate. I think that there's still going to be a concern with uh, mass production, 
and trying to get that out and then having dealers, people that can maintain them and work on them. That I think that's the biggest pitfall. I think that's maybe the only reason why some people have, may be intrigued by a lower car, lower cost live wire if that came out, something that was maybe uh, eight to $10,000 less, although we know that's uh, significantly, um, yeah. that's a significant price cut for them. But I think that if, Getting something like that, you have a known reliability of a drivetrain and suspension and everything else from Harley-Davidson, and you've removed the one piece that a lot of people are concerned with, which is the reliability of the motor itself, and now you're using an electric motor. Um, so I, I think that a bigger OEM can go a lot farther if they can get it right, get it in a price point, and actually mass produce it. So I am intrigued to see what happens there. I think we're seeing some movements. We shared a couple others, so check out our Instagram and Facebook page for, for some of those items. But we're seeing a lot of movements in the electric bikes. Uh, one of them was a Curtis one, just so everybody knows when you start looking through. It's got kind of a very polarizing design. That one did not win. Uh, that was a resounding 100% uh, of the vote said they wouldn't buy it, which I'm, I'm sorry, Curtis. But um, at least the people we uh, at least the people we had follow and notice our story within, uh, within Instagram and Facebook by the first day uh, were pretty pretty harsh on that one but to your point check them out keep an eye on the electric market i think it's moving i think we got a lot of things growing and, and mixing we know that there's manufacturers that have made new partnerships and that are developing new things already and we've talked about kind of the zero and and uh polaris partnership that we see coming with in the off-road world so i you know i gotta imagine that'll bleed a little bit into indian and and we'll see some more things so i agree i think that's something to watch um, you can always follow our Instagram and, and Facebook and check out slackermotor.com for these stories. Uh, we'd love to uh, to hear from you. Let us know what you think about the electric market. Let us know whether you think it matters that motorcycles are good, have good fuel economy. Not that that's a shocker, but that they're better than, right? 50 motorcycles is better than one bus uh, per person. Uh, let us know if, if you care, but come back and, and let us know what you think. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and our webpage. Otherwise, have an awesome week. Enjoy the good weather that many of the states seem to be having. And uh, we'll talk at you next week. Until next time, ride on. Mm-hmm.